Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Today, we will be doing a slightly deep dive uh, into Psalm 34. And so maybe I should clarify myself and say that uh, God wants to gift us uh, Psalm 34 as our prophetic scripture for 2019. And whatever you will be going through or are going through already, uh, I want us to meditate on Psalm 34. Let it encourage you, let it inspire you, let it put hope back in your bones again, and let it be your compass. How many know that it's good to let God's Scripture be your compass? Amen? And so, uh, Psalm 34 is the prophetic Scripture I really believe uh, God has placed uh, for our church uh, in this year, but if you're taking down notes, feel free to put, God is good. And that is the title uh, for today's message, God is good. But if you'd like to have fun with your titles a little bit, feel free to put down finger licking good. And turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry, it will make sense. And then turn to your other neighbor and say, he's always like this. Amen. So Psalm 34, let's, let's read this uh, uh, powerful psalm. Now, first of all, before I read even the first verse, I want you to know that if you have a physical copy of the Bible, you realize that there's a short heading on top of Psalm 34 that actually says that this was the psalm that was written by David after God delivered him uh, from a Philistine king, where he pretended to be a fool, where he pretended to be dumb. And the king who was at the time hunting for David, who was a renowned general in the Israeli army, and he thought that, man, I finally got this person. I can take out the strategic leader of my enemy and then when he met David, who pretended to be dumb, he scolded all his court officials and says that, I wanted the, the, the giant killer. Why did you bring a fool in my courts? Why is he drooling on my floor? Get him out of my sight. And God managed to preserve David's life by giving him that wisdom to act dumb. And, and, and because of that temporary acting, it not only won him an Oscar, but it won him a life. And he was able to continue living. And after that, he was so thankful that he wrote this psalm to give God full credit. And so this is a psalm that is very near and dear to David's heart. And those of us who know the Bible will know that, you know, King David was someone that God himself gave the title as a man after his own heart. And so when this psalm was birthed out of David's heart and David is a person who is close to God's heart, you know that this is a very powerful psalm. And not only that, this is considered in the Old Testament time, you know, when they would sing psalms in the temple as an act of worship. This was considered the, uh, uh, the, the top five psalms. And these psalms would be sung from generation to generation. And the singers, when they sing this psalm, they usually sing it on their knees because of how powerful a reminder that, that it was not our king who got himself out of the trouble, it's our king of kings who got our king out of his troubles. Amen? And so we're going to read. So I want us to, to really take in a Psalm 34. Here we go. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall fear, shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Next line, verse 6. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no one to those who fear him. Verse 10. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Amen. Now, this scripture is a lot to unpack and so that's why I encourage you to go back, read it and meditate upon it. But as I was preparing today's message, I felt God say that this Psalm 34 is God's promise and is God's declaration over us as a church and over our lives as believers this year. Man, how many of you are so glad that, that the God we serve, you know, it, it, it loves us so much that He will set apart this scripture for us and say that, you know, whatever you're going through this this year, this is my promise to you. And how many of you, maybe sometimes you read it and you go like, oh, that's a lot to take in. But if you break it down, you know, it's as simple as this. How many of you want God to deliver you out of all your troubles this year? Come on, raise your hands. Amen. That's God's promise for you. God is saying that Psalm 34 is my promise that I will deliver you, not just out of trouble, but out of all trouble. Amen. Psalm 34 says that God will make His angels encamped around you. How many of you will like that? You know, I know some of us live in the day more, I won't say dodgy, but the more slightly edgier part of the city. And sometimes walking home can be scary. But when you have Psalm 34 and we begin to claim Psalm 34 over your life, you don't need to fear anymore because you know that no, not only is God with me, His angels are camping around me. Amen? You know, how many of you want to, 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 you know, those of us who maybe didn't have such a good year, I love the part in Psalm 34, it says that, you know, God looks out for the brokenhearted. So I'm not about to ask you, how's your love life, who broke up or whatever, but, but if even if you felt like you had a horrible year, 
and your heart could be broken in more ways than one, not just in relationship, but it could be due to disappointment, it could be due to delay, or due to different frustrations in your life. Know this, that God says that I look out for the brokenhearted. Amen. How many are glad that God has, has, has put Psalm 34 as the banner over our church? Amen. And, and so, what I want to do today is not just talk about how good God is. And Psalm 34 goes on and on and on about God's deliverance, about God's goodness, about God's provision. Feel free to say amen if you want any of this. You know, God's you know, healing, God's wisdom, and, and, and all that God has in store for you. But I want to help you access it. You see, meditating upon it is one thing, but to really enjoy, you got to access it. It's as simple as this. If I were to tell you, hey, I just discovered the best place to eat in London. Oh, wow, they serve the best steaks. And it's, it's, it's Wagyu steak. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's, it's, and it's so cheap as well, 10 pounds. And, and, and it, it, when you slice into it, it melts like butter. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, and the fries. Oh, my word, the fries are so good. And this place, don't, don't even get me started on your dessert. They give out free dessert. Now, how many of you are already hungry? Come on, be honest. Of this place. Now, how many of you would be frustrated if I just end it right here and then without telling you the name of the restaurant or the place? You'd be so frustrated. that Meditating upon how good that restaurant is won't solve your problems. You need to access it in order for you to enjoy the blessing. Amen? And so I'm glad that David not only talks about how good God is, you know, how, how God protects and provides for us even better than the lions. It was so poetic. He went like, you know, the lions can starve. And when I think of lions, I don't think of lions starving. In fact, when I think of a starving lion, I get frightened, you know. But, but, but David was saying that lions can starve, but God's people will never starve. A lion that has been built to hunt can starve but God's people will not starve. And so, I don't want us to just meditate, oh wow, God, you're so good. I want us to begin to access God's goodness. And to access it, and go back, you read it, you realize that in all the verses, David talks about how good God is, how good God is, how good God is, but there's one line where he invites you to enjoy it. And that's in verse 8. And in this Psalm 34, verse 8, is where we want to spend the bulk of our message today. So, Let's look back at Psalm 34, verse 8, in that very famous and simple line that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good, and how blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Amen? Or the man who trusts in Him. And, you know, David is so clever in writing his psalms and in poetry. So he never puts anything there by mistakes. And, and the reason why he wanted to use taste and see is because I believe in that one word, taste, will be able to help us access the full goodness of God. And when we think of taste, you know, we immediately think of eating. And so today I have two points for you that will help us to access the goodness of God. And I want us to focus on the word taste. First of all, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the invitation is to taste first and then we will see. Many times as Christians, we want to see first, then we taste. God, let me see your goodness and then let me taste of it. 
But, but David is saying that if you really want to access God's goodness and the Lord is good, if you want to access His good blessing, His good protection, His good provision, His good guidance, His good wisdom, His good timing, then you need to not see and then taste, you need to taste and then see. So the first thing we got to do is come before God with a childlike faith. How many know that it takes faith, a childlike faith, for me to put a blindfold around your eyes and put something in your mouth? And many times you can think of that, you think of all the competitions you watch on YouTube where it's like a prank show and they probably grind up some chicken liver and try to put it in the person's mouth and, or to put some, a, a whole spoonful of wasabi and put it in the person's mouth just to see how they would react. How many know that it takes courage? It takes faith. It takes, most importantly, trust. And God is saying that I am good. But in order for you to see my goodness, in order for you to access my goodness, because that's another way to interpret C, not just C, but to be able to access it, is I need you to taste first. And, and, and David is using this description of eating and then having your eyes open. Have you seen people eat like that? Right? Usually if you eat something not nice, it's the opposite. You put it in your mouth and then you close your eyes. Right? You have something really bitter, you put it in your mouth and then you close your eyes. Ooh, that was bitter. And you, you, you put it, you know, you put a wasabi in your mouth and then you close your eyes. Oh, it stings. You know, but if it's good, you open your eyes. Amen. How many have been there before? You know, you have the, maybe the first time you had KFC and then you put it in your mouth. I don't know how old you were. Maybe you were three, maybe you were four and then you had it in your mouth. Some people say 15. Huh? Okay, God bless you. <laughs> and you eat it and then the crunch of that skin, the aroma, aroma hits you and then you go, mm. and it can't help but lick your fingers because it is that good. And so David is trying to to tell the people that will be reading his Psalms from generations later that God is not only good, He's finger-licking good. And He's so good that you just got to taste it. Once you taste it, your life will be transformed. You can't go back anymore. Once you taste it, your eyes will be open. Once you taste it, you will see and access for yourself that God is good. So what does taste mean? Point number one, taste means to come near. How many know that you can't taste from afar? You can smell from afar, right? Whether it's a good odor or bad odor, you can smell it from afar. But you can't taste from afar. You can't stand, you know, uh, 100 yards away and go like, uh, let me taste. No, to taste, you got to come near. And we've been there before when you were young and you're hungry and you just came back from school and then you smell your grandmother's cooking, your mom's cooking. And then you go like, oh, what's that? Can I taste? And then what does your mom or your grandma usually do? They beckon you to come. Because you can't taste outside at the gate. you got to come nearer. And so God is saying to us through Psalm 34, I am good. I am more good than you, that you, you don't even realize how good I am. I am so good. But my goodness is not for you just to meditate upon it. No, my goodness is not for us to used as a Christian catchphrase. You know, we all have the Christian catchphrase, God is good. And then somebody immediately at the back, if you've been to church long enough, you'll say, all the time. And then the pastor say, all the time. God is good. But God is saying that I'm so good that I'm, I'm more than a catchphrase. I want you to taste and see. I want you to have my goodness in your life so that not only will you benefit from it, that the people around you will benefit from it. But for you to access it, you've got to come near. And so what does come near mean to us? For different ones, it means different things. Like I said, today's message may be a little bit prophetic. For some of you, 
you know, you have this fear of church. Come on, let's be honest. If he ouches this, ouch. If you don't like my preaching, say, God help him, but just respond. Help me out, church. Some of us here, we have this fear of God. Oh man, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't mind church, but, but I don't want to go any deeper. You know, I, I just want to enjoy Sunday. I don't want to go any deeper. I don't want to serve. And so maybe for you, drawing near, coming nearer to God this year might be to trust God a little bit more. To trust God with your decisions. For some of us, it could be to start serving. God gave me this way to describe it, how good He is. You know, God is so good that you can enjoy Him from afar. Don't get me wrong. He's so good, so potent, you can enjoy Him from afar. But He's better when you're nearer. So let me give you this example. You know, how many of you here, if I, to- if I were to tell you, you know, your pastor might not look like much, but he's got some connections in Hollywood. Come on, go with me. <laughs> and actually, you might not know this, but he actually knows some people who work in Disney. And the people who work in Disney know some people who work in Hollywood. And the people in Hollywood know the directors of Avengers 4. And while all of us would definitely have a good time watching Avengers 4 from a big screen with 300 other people in whichever cinema you choose to go to, how many of you believe that your experience would be better if you could visit the set? What if I told you that your pastor could, with one phone call, arrange for you to fly to America and visit the set and sit with the directors and take pictures with the movie stars and actually, you can actually have a selfie with the real Iron Man. How many of you will want that? Come on, don't be shy. Boy, don't believe I got those kind of connections. Yeah, you want that, <laughs> right? So what I'm trying to say is this, God is good. He's, he's, he's better than Avengers 4. But it's also better to be enjoyed up close and personal. And so God is saying that, I'm so good, come nearer. You know, so come nearer could be, you know, where were you last year? You know, come nearer to God. Maybe last year you only come to church. Maybe this year, come nearer. Start serving. You know, maybe last year you only came to church and, and uh, it's good enough. I enjoy service. It's good. But homes is better. And all those who enjoy homes say, Amen. Amen. You know, oh yeah, yeah. I think it's good. But, but you know, but I can tell you, yeah, come nearer because prayer service is powerful. You know, some of you could be like, you know, some of you, when I ask you, hey, would you like to have dinner with me? Some of you get scared. Because in your Christian upbringing, every time the pastor asks you out for a meal, it's when you get in trouble. But no, the pastors in this church are good. We want to <laughs> we cook for you. We want to bless you. So come nearer. Say yes to fellowship. Say yes to community. Say yes to serving. Maybe that's your come nearer. Come nearer also means if, if God is perfection, and we know He, he is, it's not a matter of if, if God is perfection, coming nearer to God also means drawing nearer and closer to perfection. Yes? What does that mean? It also means making improvements. So what the Scripture is trying to tell us is this. Do you know that as long as you don't need to be perfect in order to enjoy God's goodness, all you need to do is start making progress. And as you start making progress, you're going to see the goodness of God become more and more real and tangible in every part of your life. And, and so what does that mean, make improvements? I don't know. You know, it's between you and God. 
Maybe some of you are already saying that, oh, pastor, I'm already going to homes. I'm already going to prayer meeting. I'm already serving. Well, is there room for improvement? Can you serve better? Oh, serve better? Yeah. Maybe in the sound crew, because we're looking for more people to serve in the sound crew. You know, how do they serve better? Pastor, we're already underhanded. We need more people. But you can serve better. You can draw nearer. How to draw nearer? You can worship while you're doing sound. And I'm glad that, you know, in the early days when we first got the sound system, the, the sound crew was, you know, every time doing worship, their faces are pale because they're so busy looking at all the buttons and they're like, oh no, I hope everything is okay and they, they keep running back to the back of the hall to listen if everything was alright and then coming back again. But I'm glad that week by week as I looked at them, you know, they are drawing nearer and nearer to God. And now when you look at the worship team, you know, they set up everything. But even when worship is going on, they are worshipping. You know, even the person manning the sound is still worshipping. And they look like a DJ when they're doing that because one hand on the, on the buttons, the other, the other hand on the air. So it looks like they are DJing. Draw closer. Make improvements. Can you give God your best? Can you give God a better service? Maybe... I don't know, you're on XTV helping us put up the words. Maybe for now, the new ones are pressing down, but maybe in a while, you're saying to yourself, you know what, I, I want to I have more of God's goodness, so I want to up my game. So when I'm doing the words for XTV, I want to stand and worship God. You know, I know the espresso team, the hospitality team is always upping their game, but, but what do you need to up, friends? If you're not serving, can I encourage you? The key to seeing God's goodness unleashed over your life in 2019 is to start serving. If you're already serving, can I encourage you to serve God with more passion, to serve God with more excellence, to serve God, you know, not like how you serve Him in 2018. Don't give God 2018's effort. Give God this year 2019's effort. Amen? How else can you draw near to God? For some of you here, it's, I don't know, coming to church early? Ooh, ouch. Can, can 2019 be the year where you tell yourself, you know what? I want to experience more of God's goodness. How silly would it be if the only thing holding you back from experiencing God's goodness is your punctuality? Ooh, Ouch. And no breakthrough is in your life until you start honouring God with your timing. You know, because right now, you honour your exams with your timing. You honour classes with your timing. But maybe once you start honouring God with your timing, you start seeing more of God's goodness unleashed over your life. Amen? Maybe for some of us, it's, we got to up our dressing. Now, I'm not against people dressing as they are, but, but even the way you dress, I believe there can be improvements. You notice as the weeks go past, the, the, our hosts are looking more and more, you know, sharper and more stylish. And what are they doing? They're upping their game for Jesus. You know, for some of us here, you go out with your friends, you spend two hours doing your makeup, showering, putting on perfume, deodorant, you know, going for wardrobe change. And then finally, you know, going for that one dress. But when you come to church, you just throw on whatever. And you don't even check the mirror, you just check by smelling. Okay, it still smells fresh. Uh, God, this is good enough for God. No wonder there's no good 
in your life. Maybe you need to up it. Maybe you need to up your giving. Don't say, I'm a poor student. Maybe you're a poor student because you haven't been upping your giving unto God. Because God is no one's debtor. Amen? And so God is saying that, come on, I want you to access my goodness, but my goodness cannot be experienced from afar. You know, it's, it's, you, you can enjoy it from afar, but then you can truly taste it when you come near. Point number two, and this is my last point, taste also represents getting personal. How many know that you can't taste for someone else? I know, those of you who cook immediately go like, no, but I've asked people to taste before, yeah. But you still taste it yourself, don't you? When it comes to taste, you can't go like, how, should I order this pizza? What do you taste? No, 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 you taste and let me know whether I should order this pizza. No, no, why don't you taste this sample and decide for yourself whether you should order this pizza? And so taste is something that you've got to personally experience. It's not something that you can be outsourced. It's not something that another person can do for you by proxy. So what is God trying to tell us? It, it, no, i got nothing but good in store for you. In fact, I am good. And the psalmist says this, taste and see. Taste, draw near. Taste, get personal with God. And so for us, I believe one of the application is to start personalizing some of the things that we are already doing corporately. We worship together corporately. But let me ask you this. How is your personal worship time with Jesus? Some of you are thinking, what's that? That means that in, in your house, you know, in your room, do you set time aside to worship God? How's your personal Bible reading? How's your personal devotion? No, you come to church. Let, let, let church not be the only place you open your Bible. Come on. I know that's a word for some people. You got to repent. And that's why there's no goodness, no breakthrough in your life. You got to start having some personal devotion. You got to start having some personal prayer. A lot of us, we love outsourcing prayer. Pastor, please pray for me. Pastor, I'm going through this. Please pray for me. And yes, we do pray for you. And yes, we love to pray for you. But do you know that you can pray for yourself too? And there is more power when you pray for yourself because the goodness of God becomes more personal. Some of you here, you know, you lay hands in church. Praise God. Why don't you lay hands in your personal time? Before you study, lay hands on that book. But the next time you're not feeling well, don't just take some painkillers, lay hands on that part that's not feeling well. Come on, come and personally taste and see that the Lord is good. What is God trying to tell us as a church? He wants us to draw near. In, in 2019 and for the rest of 2019, draw near and, and, and continuously to ask yourself this, how can I get closer to God? How can I go deeper with God? I don't want to stagnate and stay where I am. I want to go closer because as good as God is on a Sunday, and praise God, we do our best to, to, to make sure that you know, every Sunday service is a life-changing experience, but God doesn't want to be in Sunday only. God wants to be in your Mondays all the way to your Saturdays. In fact, God wants to be in your everyday. But that can't happen until you draw near to God. Until you progress in God. Again, God's not looking for perfection. But I believe that there's room for improvement in all of our lives. Would you say yes this year? Let 2019 be the year of improvement. 
God, I'm going to improve my, you know, if, if, if God, if, you know, if right now, I know just now we say that if you put God after yourself, everything in your life is, oh God, and I know that, that that's painful for some people to hear, but let's be real. God loves progress. And so maybe now, God is number three on your list. Number one could be, I don't know, you know, your studies. Number two could be your family. And number three could be God. But the year of progress means this, God, I want to make you my number two. And then once God is settled as his, your number two, then you say, God, I want to make you my number one. That's progress. As you make even incremental steps forward, the goodness of God becomes more and more real in your life. No, the thing about today's message is this. It's not good enough for us to meditate upon it. You've got to go back and personally draw closer to God. You've got to tell yourself that, you know, God, this year, I want to serve if I haven't served before. If I've been serving, I want to serve better. If I've been living, I want to live better for you. When I live better for God, doesn't mean living a richer life, <laughs> but it means that living a more consistent life. God, I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. God, I want to be an everyday Christian. God, I'm not perfect, but God, help me to pick myself up every time I fall. God, this year, I want to break free. God, this year, I want to draw nearer. God, this year, I want to overcome my fears. God, this year, I want to give more. God, this year, I want to serve more. God, this year, I want to invite my friends. God, this year, I want to grow more courageous, bolder. And as you have that in your heart as your desire, what you don't even realize that you're actually tasting God and tasting God and tasting God. And your, your faith becomes more and more real. God's anointing becomes more and more evident and the blessing of God becomes unstoppable in your life. Some of you here, you know, you, you, you got to begin to implement into your personal space the things of God. It's easy for, for us to look okay and look holy in church. And in front of other people, you look very okay. You look like, oh, I'm, a, I'm fine. I'm a church girl. I'm a church boy, but... How about your personal life? Is God there? No, is God in your life? We use this example before and I use it again. If your life is a car, where is God? Is it in your boot? Did you unpack once a week? Sunday. Okay, get off the car. Jesus, come out. Let's go to church. And then after service, Jesus, get back in the trunk. Because I don't need you for every other destination this week. Some of you go like, oh, pastor, I'm not like that. Jesus is not in my boot. Cool. Where is he? Is he in your passenger seat? No, 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 no. Pastor, I know. It's a trick question. Jesus is behind the wheel. Like in Proverbs, something, something. Jesus take the wheel. It's not there, but... <laughs> it's actually a song by Carrie Underwood, but sometimes we quote it so many times we think it's from the Bible. Jesus, like your word says, take the wheel. The car's not invented in the Bible. <laughs> and if Jesus is behind the wheel, where are you? Are you going where he's driving you to go? And Jesus driving you down the lane called revival. Why am I here? What's this place? Oh, this is called revival. I don't want to be here. Come on, would you allow God to get personal? Don't just say that Jesus is behind the wheel and be a backseat driver. But allow Jesus to drive your life. Not just in the public aspects of your life, but also in the personal aspects of your life. Start trusting God with personal decisions. 
Some of us, we are again a yes but Christian. Yes, I love God and I've got no problem trusting Him, but please don't touch A, B, C and D. Maybe this year, I challenge you, if you want to see the goodness of God, start letting God touch A, B, C and D and your hidden G. Go back. Meditate upon this. Because another interesting fact about Psalm 34 is that, okay, this is, you know, if, if you're interested, I'll, I'll share very quickly. When King David wrote it, it was so brilliant that uh, it's in the Hebrew, okay, so in the English alphabet, there's 26 letters, okay? Even if you don't know that, just say yes, Pastor, yes, okay? There's 26 letters, A until Z, okay? And there's 26 letters. In the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 letters. And so there are 22 verses in Psalm 34. So when he wrote it, every verse started with the Hebrew alphabet. And so in English terminology, it would be this, A, awesome is Jesus my Lord. B, cause He saved me from my sins. Compassion and mercy will follow all the days of my life. And then I can't, I can't go on D. But you get what I'm saying. But D and then E and then... Now, you might be saying that, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because this was also designed by David to go like, Psalm 34 is not something that you sing in the temple only. It's something that he broke it down in Hebrew, A, B, C, D, E, so that even young children can remember it. In other words, God's desire for us, for His goodness, is not just a one-off. Sometimes we, we run to conferences to chase after God's goodness. We, we run after famous bands to chase after God's goodness. Do you know that, know that it's, God doesn't work like that? God doesn't work by brand names or, or by that church conference. It's more powerful than no. God works when we draw near personally for ourselves and we meditate daily and make it a personal habit to think about, to dwell upon the goodness of God and to ask ourselves, how can God come into my life more and more? How can I get more personal with God? How can my personal prayer time improve? How can my personal reading of the Bible improve? How can my, my personal trusting of God improve? How, how, how can my personal space become more holy for God? And God is saying that if you will do this, you're going to see my goodness overflow into every area of, my, of your life. Like how Psalm 34 illustrates it where He will deliver you, where He will send angels to camp around you, where even your haters will be dealt with because He says that evil itself will get rid of those who plot against you. Amen? So this is my simple message for us today, but I believe that it's not simple, but it's, it's simple so that we remember, but it's not just good enough to remember, we need to apply it. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you are good. Lord, your word says to taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no other way for us to see that you are good, to experience that you are good, except to taste. We can talk and talk and talk conceptually about the goodness of God, but until we taste, God, help us to taste. Help us to draw near. God, for different ones here, I pray that church Sundays will no longer be something that people are afraid of. Sundays will become something that we look forward to, Lord. I pray, Lord, 
to taste, to come near for different ones here, Lord, that this year will be the year where we start serving you. This year will be the year where we start giving. This year will be the year where we join homes. This year will be the year where we go for prayer meeting. This year will be the year where we say yes to you, Lord, and all that you have in store for us. This year will be the year where, God, you become personal in my life. God, I don't just want to have prayer in church only, Lord. I want that to be revival in my own personal prayer. Sometimes you pray for revival in church. Friends, why don't you pray for revival in your own life? What about your prayer time with God? What about your devotion with God? God, help us, Lord. Lord, in the start of this year, Lord, first of all, we thank you that you've blessed us with such a powerful scripture to guide our steps. But now, help us to act upon it. Because your word also says, faith without action is dead. So Lord, help us, Lord, to not just have faith, but to have action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.